Isn't it great to love one another? Got to work on this. Bring this down a bit, Mike. It's great to have family around you when you're here worshiping the Lord and enjoying one another. So many people have come here to encourage and share. Hey, Jeff, why don't you stand up, buddy? With your wife. See these two over here? That's uh, Eric's replacement, not mine, right? <laughs> Jeff and his lovely wife, give him a hand. Yes. They start next week. I am so pumped to have you here, Jeff. I really am. Thank you for sharing your husband with us. Uh, we look forward to uh, hearing great things, what God is doing, as you guys continue to do his work. So, good, good stuff. Well, so many wonderful things have happened over the last few months as God has continued to put all things together and to confirm over and over again that it was time for Mary and I to go get hot in Arizona. So uh, we're looking forward. We've got some good friends with us today. Art and Melody are down here, so you'll run into them later. You guys don't need to stand, but you know, the, you'll run into them and go, oh, and they become our, well, they've been my friends for a long time, actually, but the Lord put us back together after many years. So wonderful thing there, and we're going to enjoy each other. They have to show me the way there in Arizona, and they already have a lot. So it's great that he's down here sharing with us as well. He, I don't know why. You know, maybe it's a little warm up there, and that's why he came down here. Could have, could have been a little break. He said, yeah. And then he was like, oh, I could have wore shorts. I said, yeah, you could have. He's, he's looking fancier than me. I, I said, I'm dressed up today. I'm dressed in gray because I'm not sure how to feel. You know, it's like I'm happy, sad, happy, sad. That's how it works. We're going to take an offering. That's kind of a happy, sad time, right? Yeah. So we go, I'm happy to give you, Lord, but I'm sad to see it go. <laughs> and the Lord will multiply that as you give to him. If you're here as a guest, we appreciate you not giving. You're our guest. Guests don't give. Guests just come and rejoice with us. There'll come a time when you remember, then we expect you to give a lot. But that'll be your call and your determination at that point in time. Uh, wonderful day. Why don't we pray? We're going to take an offering. Uh, we're going to be listen to a special song that I asked... Um, my brother Pete here to take care of us on, so you'll get to enjoy that as you get to share uh, what God has given to you and what he's directed you uh, to give back to him. Father, what a wondrous day it is when we get to stand before you and recognize as a group how powerful you are and how you have touched our life and changed so many things for the good. So as the one who pours out upon us blessing after blessing, we ask that you would receive this offering that you would take it and multiply it like you did with that young man a few loaves and fish and fed 5,000 people Lord, you could do that with this and that would be our request thank you for all you've done already now use this to accomplish your will and your desires and we ask that in Jesus name, amen condensed version there so that we can continue on I think it was like, okay, shorten it up we've got a lot to say here this will be my uh, final time that I get to exhort you all. I've been saying that a lot lately. So many final things. Mary's called it the long goodbye. And boy, has it been a long goodbye. Sometimes it feels like, oh, Lord, please, can I finish this? Can I please finish this? And he's saying, okay, Lee, today you get to finish. So he said, great. And what I want to talk to you about first and foremost is this. Uh, thank you.
Thank you. Thank you. I had a professor at my college, the early days, I was still a fairly new Christian. I'd been called by the Lord into ministry, and I think it was my second year in college. And, and he stood up there and he said, the most amazing thing, he said, the most amazing thing to me is that people are willing to pay me for doing something I'd be more than willing to do for free. Thank you for paying me. <laughs> you did. And you allowed me to be your pastor and to lead you. And you followed. And I am so, so proud of you. What a wonderful thing it's been to watch you grow in your relationship with the Lord and, and become stronger and stronger. And for some of us, for some of us, it, it was intense. I was upstairs praying with John Jerzak, and he started crying, you know. As you know, John, he was just crying, and I thought, boy, such love, such amazing love that God develops one for another. And we've been together 15, I mean, the first day I got here, John was the first person I did. I walked up, he was a treasurer. And the first words he were, said was, we don't have that money. <laughs> and I told him, it'll be fine, John, don't worry about it, it's all going to come in. And, and from that, that day forth, it just kept coming, didn't it? Wasn't it great, John? And we've just been so filled with joy as we watched God continue to do his work in us and through us. Uh, it's just been just marvelous. There have been hard times. There have been times that were so difficult. I'm on my knees just crying my eyes out saying, Lord, why did you bring me here? I am so hurt. I'm in so much pain. I don't want to feel this way. And the Lord would say, it's, it's going to go away, Lee. It's okay, but this was needed. And in all that time, uh, God has continued to bless my wife and I and show us incredible ways, build friendships. I have so many friends here that uh, will even come to Arizona when it's 120 and visit us. And we look forward to that as well. Many of you are saying, he's just saying that. And it's not true. You guys come out and visit us. We have a guest room. We keep you in the back. It's just, you know. No, it's not great place we put together. The Lord provided us with a place. So we look forward to all that. But I wanted to start off just sharing those simple words of truth um, for all you've done uh, in my life, how you've blessed Mary and I over and over and over and, and cared for me and loved me so much. So it's just a great kind of closing today as we get to do a little barbecue together. Uh, and I am so wonderfully blessed uh, to leave the church in such great hands with Pastor Eric and uh, coming up with I come, you can still call him Pastor Lee, actually, when, as Jeff comes in. It's Jeff Lee is his name, so you can, you know, if you stumble, he'll just act like you're talking to him all along. It's not a big deal. So you're going to enjoy that. Great hands. These are men of God who love him deeply and will give you great leadership and guidance uh, for the years ahead. So I look forward to hearing about all the wonderful things God is doing. And thank you, uh, Glenn and all those, for the new palm trees out front. You see that? Lee is on the right and Mary's on the left. They told me that. They said, this is Lee's tree, that's Mary's tree. We'll see which one grows the most. We know which one well, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do. Mary's tree will always grow the most. That's the way it's always worked. I remember Ray here sharing the other day as uh, Ray Markley was in the search committee at the beginning 15 years ago, and he was sharing, and he said, yeah, he said, Lee, you were, you were a great addition to Mary. He said, you're the first one I ever first never hired that I, I met your wife and said, okay, let's hire him. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, it, was, it was great. And, and there's just so a lot of truth in that. I have this marvelous, marvelous wife who has always been such an incredible support and encouragement and been in the midst of the ministry, done so much ministry. And she's had this fabulous ministry for herself over at Costa Mesa High School where she's been involved over there. And she gets letters after letter after letter from these uh, young kids who say, you changed my life. And you prayed for me. And, you know, it's on her desk. So she's got a prayer thing. She's got them set up. She's got a little thing on her desk. It's what we're praying for today. You know, this is in the school. It's like, uh-oh, go to Mary's desk. It's like the Holy of Holies at Costa Mesa. <laughs> ah, so that's been, been wonderful. And they know her well. And they love her. And she's been such a great testimony of light and salt. And that's what I want to talk about today when we talk about the church. Many of you here are, are saying, you know, this, look what Pastor Lee has done at this church and look what good things Pastor Lee has done at this church. Let me tell you, Pastor Lee hasn't done anything at this church. I just tried to get out of the way. And when God does things, it's marvelous because when Jesus builds his church, it becomes a wonderful, glorious, powerful testimony to the reality of God. But when Lee builds his church, it just becomes Another institution that people are bored with. You see, the cry of Jesus was, I will build my church upon the foundation of truth that is Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, the one who died for us so that we might have access to God himself and have the opportunity to know God personally, to have him change our lives daily on a regular basis. That's the cry. That's the church. And we're to reflect this wonderful, wonderful, incredible transformation that God has worked in our life. And that happens when Jesus is building his church because you are the church. Why don't you look at the person next to you and say, you are the church. Some of you say, well, maybe not yet. (laughs) But you are. You see, and to that degree, that wonderful, that wonderful declaration of God's presence and power, that's what changes everything. That's what makes it all work, this incredible, marvelous, wonderful thing. And it starts off with at least three things. We talk about what is the church made of? What is this church made up of? And this is what excites me when I see this in the church. It's the church made of true living, true living. We're transparent one with another. We are not perfect, far from it. We are truthful with one another, and we live lives that are transparent on a consistent basis. You know my good, and you know my bad. And you watch the change happens as God transforms me and makes me into a better person. And I become more and more and more like Jesus. Because the man I am today is so different than the man I was 15 years ago when I came here. Completely different. And some of you, like you know, Richard Poley and, and John, some others have been close. Know it. You guys would say, oh, yeah, Lee, you're a lot different. Don't go there. Stay there. But you are too, Rich. It's been marvelous to see the growth in John's life and Rich's life. See these guys coming closer and closer to God and watch their relationship just prosper. Watch it grow incredibly. And being able to see that, the, the remarkable, wonderful privilege of being able to see into each other's lives and not lie, not fake it, not dress up so we can say, boy, don't I look good? But to be real. This is who I am. This is who I'm trying to be. This is what God is doing in me. True living. Consistent transparency. That's, that's, the, that's the cry of God to each one of us. Jesus said, you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. 
Not that you're perfect in a relationship with them, but you remain faithful to them on a consistent basis. And you'll enjoy the truth. You'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. You see, as we put into play the teachings of Christ in our life, and as we're transparent one to another, we have this marvelous revelation on a regular basis where suddenly I know the truth. And it sets me free. And it happens continuously because truth only happens with experience. It doesn't happen just with the Word of God itself. It happens as we respond to His teaching and we allow Him to change us. And we're awed by it. We're awed by it. I remember, uh, you've never guessed this, but I've often had a temper. Okay. <laughs> and when I was growing up with, 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 with my wife, literally growing up with my wife, you know, and we worked it, and we'd have these difficulties in conflict. I teach conflict management. One of the reasons is because I had to learn how to deal with my anger. Uh, and so I, we're doing this conflict thing and all this. And I still remember the day when we were in a discussion together. It was just a nice discussion that was turning into an other than nice discussion. And I saw where it was going. And suddenly it was like the Lord spoke to me and said, enough of that. And my anger was gone. It was like, whoa, that's amazing. Lord, really? And he said, okay, Lee, let's, let's be real now. And I was like, this is incredible. God changed that process. It's the same kind of change that happened when I first came to know him, and he took this heart of stone and turned it into a heart of flesh. And he changed my emotions to where I suddenly began to feel and to care about others, where prior to, I felt nothing. I felt nothing. I wanted to feel, but I just couldn't. But that day, God changed everything, and I knew the truth. I knew the truth of who Jesus was and the truth of who God was, and it set me free to be who God had called me to be. And then he started the process of truth, step after step after step. I discovered that God is willing and able to forgive. He could truly forgive me and cleanse me, and he could allow me to forgive others around me and to love them. And literally, as I was sharing with Gene this morning, to forget about what they did. Literally forgot what they did to me. I said, I sure hope they forgot what I did to them, but I know I forgot what they did to me. It's great as you get older. It gets more and more that way. I'm forgetting everything these days. <laughs> there are blessings with older age as you move along. It's, it's like, thank you, Lord. The truth begins to open up to us, but when we're transparent... The reality of God's change in our life becomes real to others as well as to ourselves. But when we fake it, we become people that are fake. And we begin to wonder, who are we? What are we? Have we truly experienced the wonder of God in our lives? Have we encountered truth and rejected it? What's going on here? And God is saying, be transparent. Watch me change you as you encounter my truth. Remain faithful to my teachings, and then step by step you'll find them to be true and what takes place. And then you yourself will become one who is also true to yourself and true to your God. So as a church, we desperately need to be living truth, transparent in our relationships one to another. Appropriate transparency, by the way. I still remember one time we had down here, we had an uh, open mic, and people were sharing. We were sharing, you know, the struggles in our life. And a guy came up, and he started sharing stuff. And we were going, ah, don't want to hear that. 
It was real. Yeah, you're thinking some things. It was worse than that. It was like, dude, there's a time and a place. We don't want to hear that. It was, it was downright scary, but I said, appropriate transparency. You develop around you a group of men and women who care for you and love you, and they can, you can share everything going on. And as you share and as you're transparent and as you in, encounter God's truth and the wonder of who he is and begin to commit yourself to his teaching and remain faithful to it, you watch the change happen, this transformation that is only the act of God himself in your life. Since you have heard from Jesus... And learn the truth that comes from him. See, Jesus is truth himself. He's, he's truth embodied. He's the spirit itself that, that resides within you and desires to resound within you. So it's just this pounding where God says, yes, that's true. And you are truly free. And you experience it over and over and over again. Now I've got to slip on my glasses because the truth is I can hardly see anything in terms of these notes. Ah, oh, that's better. Oh, that's not too bad. Okay. So we experience truth. We learn truth. It's a result of acting on God's promises and being transparent in our actions and our dealings with one another. And we begin to discover this wonder that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And as we stay in him, that even as we speak the truth, that light brings about greater wonder to us, not greater condemnation. And we find ourselves experiencing the power of God changing us. We experience a factual reality of this truth, not just a written reality of God's word, but a factual reality within me. So I always say, truth only comes with experience. It only comes as you, as Jesus said, act on my truth. Build your house on, on my truth. And as you do that, you go, oh my goodness, it was right, it was true. And those of us that are in our 60s and 70s will tell you, dude, it, it, it's not only true, it works. It's incredible. I've been married to my wife for 40 years now. Wow. How she put up with me that long, I don't know. But we committed early on. We said, you know, separation, divorce, that's not an option for us. So I could kill you. You know, that's, that's the only way we get rid of one another. And I went, wow, Lord, this is wonderful. I have this incredible relationship with a woman that I love deeply and it's been 40 years, and we feel like we're just getting started. <laughs> we're so looking forward to having more time together uh, in this thing they call uh, retirement, getting all that. Truth comes with experience. The next thing is I know about true living and grace giving. And it's the part that once you begin to experience truth with one another, we share truth with one another, you've got to give each one another grace. And that's about steady faith. Steady faith. It's an attitude of grace to the others. Jesus calls it being light and salt to a world that's in darkness and without direction. Being light and salt. When I talk about grace giving, it's the result of being light to the world around me. Where I choose to give to this world something that's completely different than anything they've ever experienced. He says, you are the light of the world, so show up. You're like a the city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. They light it up so that everybody can gain light and see what's going on. Let your good deeds shine for all to see so they'll praise your heavenly Father. The ability to see. Genesis, in beginning, it really means in light. In light, it's that EMC square that Einstein found a long time ago and that the scripture spoke to long before he ever figured it out. 
energy and matter multiplied. And light itself is, is this incredible speed that comes into life. So when we see light, it comes out so fast. It comes out with the speed of light itself. Light destroys darkness. It warms all that it reaches. It exalts forms. It declares their beauty. And all this is done by the speed of light. And I go, my goodness, Lord, how did you do this? Being the light of the world means we fight darkness due to evil and sin. And it's often caused by ignorance or prejudice and selfishness, whether it be commission or omission in terms of our sin. And we say, I need to be light, not darkness. I need to be transparent and true. And I need to show what's reality and what is not. And the more we look on the face of Jesus, it's like an impressionist painting. The more light we see and the more we're transfigured by it. Not too much and not too little. See, some of our problem being salt and light is we, we get too bright. We're out there screaming our heads off. You know, you know, too much light is the guy on the corner that's got the little sign that says, You're going to hell? You need Jesus. I said, You know, I'm sure it's brought millions of people to Christ. I'm like, Seriously, dude? I'm preaching the word. I said, not exactly. Not exactly. You need help. You really need help. Uh, too much light. It's, it's blinding people with all this information that's overwhelming. You need to clarify who Jesus is and the wonder of what he's done by your deeds and caring for people and showing them grace on a regular basis and declaring his truth by the way you live life. And the way you humble yourself before others, because when you're living truth and you're revealing yourself, guess what? Ego goes down the tubes. Pride runs out the door. It's just the nature of it. We as a church are called to be livers of truth. I like that. Livers. How about, you know, livers of truth? Yeah, I like that. I won't go down that line, though. I'm going to leave that alone. So we want to live true. We want to give grace. Someone wants to say to me, the one, number one thing about me I hear on a regular basis is, you're such a grace giver. And I go, how could I not be? The grace God has poured into my life. How can you not give grace to others around you? How can you not allow that light to shine for everyone that sees it? You're the salt of the earth. Speak up. You show up in your light. That's about grace and wonder and caring and forgiveness and Holiness. But speaking up is clarifying the truth. You're the salt of the earth. What good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? And all Jesus is trying to remind us of is that we have this wonderful opportunity to be flavor to a world that's dull and lifeless. Salt. I love salt on my stuff. That's my wife. It just brings out the flavor. It tastes so much better. Jesus is saying, you guys need to bring flavor to the world. You should be bringing the excitement in. Be that, wow, this is what it's all about. My wife goes to parties and they think she's drunk. I said, oh, no, she doesn't need anything to drink. She brings flavor wherever she goes. She's salt. She's salt. And that's the wonder of what God has called us to be. He said, be salt to your world. You are salt, so Act like it. Turn to the person next to you and say, be salty. Be salty.
Salt, it brings flavor. It's a preservative. It's, it's all about cleansiness and, and standards that are never lowered or compromised. It's, it's salt declares truth and it points out lies and it says, here's character. This is right. This is the right thing to do. It comes down and says, why did you do that? I go, because it was the right thing to do. I remember Steve Mater, he's over here today, and uh, we were talking about loans and all this kind of stuff here. And there's a period of time in which, in which all the loans were being falsely represented by the guys who were providing the loans. That's what he does. And he said, you know, it was the wrong thing to do. It doesn't matter how much money you can make. It's the wrong thing. You do the right thing. And if it's a half percent more or a percent more to do it right, you do the right thing. That's the cry. That's the directive. Be salt. Do the right thing. Wow, I'm just really getting beat up here today, aren't I? Say, oh, well, maybe they'll kick off. We'll see what happens there. Um, this other aspect is of a preservative. It's like uh, salt takes care of bad meat, stops it becoming bad, so we don't find ourselves poisoning people around us. And that's what Jesus is trying to talk about when he said be salt. Don't let people be poisoned by lies. Remind them of the truth. You know, we talk about the ten words of God that he gives us to help us understand how to live life one to another and to God himself. He says, be salt. Be salt. That's the cry. Be light. Be salt. The, the last thing of salt that was interesting I was studying this week is it talks about a promise. You see, in addition to use it with food, in the scriptures it talks about how salt is used for making covenants and representing commitment. So in Leviticus it says, You shall not omit from your grain offering the salt of the covenant with your God. With all your offerings you will also offer salt. And I've given you together with all your sons and daughters as a perpetual due, a covenant of salt forever before the Lord and your descendants as well. So Mark says it a little differently. That's easier to understand. He says, have salt in yourself and be at peace with one another. Have salt in yourself and be at peace with one another. Bring flavor to your life and the lives of others around you. My wife would say, yeah, it brings out the best. This is the best year ever. Drives me crazy, okay? It's great, this excitement about life and about a desire to go for the best. That's what being salt is. Go for the best. And so I get to read all Mary's letters from all her kids everywhere I go. I'm serious. Every store I walk into... Last night, we go, to, we, we go out, and uh, there's a little pizza place over there. We're walking in, and we get done, and, and the girl walks up to Mary and says, Do you remember me? And Mary goes, Precious baby, so good to see you. <laughs> yeah. And she says afterwards, I couldn't remember her. And she would start off with, You changed my life. It's going Really? I don't even know who you are. How did I do that? Because you did this and this. I did? Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Okay. She walks out going, boy, God is remarkable what he does even when we don't know what he's doing. Over and over and over. And this happens every day in Costa Mesa. No matter where I go, here comes another one. 
It's like, I see their eyes light up. <gasps> Mrs. Harrison! And I go, okay, back off to the side again. Here we go. <laughs> I'm the pastor. She's the real pastor. Okay. <laughs> wow. Salt. Salt. Be salty. Let your speech be gracious, seasoned with what? Salt. So you may know how you ought to answer everyone. Grace giving is about appropriate responses to the reality of sin in each of us and the need for light and salt. You see, we give grace because we're light and we're salt. It's not about me anymore. It's about we. It's about you. It's about us. As the Lord spoke to me, he said, Lee, get over yourself. And as Pete McKenzie always says, he says in terms of the guy who prays, he said, you know, Lord, I'm not much, but I'm all I ever think about. I go, yeah. Isn't that a tr- I go, ah. And, and God says, it's not about me. It's about we. It's not about perfection. It's about transformation. I want you to watch my favorite clip. It's on transformation. Watch it. It's all about what God does in our lives. I'm lost in blindness. And I refuse to believe that I can see. One has to accept a life of darkness. Years from now, I can only tell my children not to believe that simple grace triumphs over utter darkness. I was born in sin, and I was conceived in sin. It doesn't matter to God that I live every day of my life in hopelessness. No longer can it be said that there is a God who hears the cries of his people. My whole life testifies to one truth. Blindness has robbed me of every good thing. And it is no longer true that God saves those who are crushed in spirit. That I don't know much, but I know one thing for sure. I was born blind with no hope and no future. But then I met Jesus. And he turned everything in my life upside down. I was born blind with no hope and no future. Now I don't know much, but I know one thing for sure. God saves those who are crushed in spirit. And it is no longer true that blindness has robbed me of every good thing. My whole life testifies to one truth. There is a God who hears the cries of his people. No longer can it be said that I live every day of my life in hopelessness. It doesn't matter to God that I was born in sin and I was conceived in sin. Simple grace triumphs over utter darkness. Years from now, I can only tell my children not to believe that one has to accept a life of darkness. I can see And I refuse to believe that I am lost in blindness. Yeah. I I love that because it reminds us of the transformation process that God works in our life. And we get suddenly we go, I can see. I, I, I had cataract surgery here, you know, and it was like. I was going blind. You know, I just couldn't see anything in the distance. And the doc said, I can fix that. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. And so went in and he's got two lenses. My, my wife calls me Robo Guy now. 
because my lenses kind of, if you look off to the side, they go, look kind of weird. But I, get, I see 2015 and 2020. It's like, whoa, I see really well now. So I can see you. I can see. I see all the, oh, come on. I see all those things I see. I see. I kind of like not being quite so visually perfect earlier. So I slip on my glasses when I don't want to see you. God transforms us in that same way. As I came out of that operation, at first I could see nothing. It was a little scary because they took off the stuff. You should be able to see fine. I said, I can't see. I see this dinky little thing way off in the corner. I felt like I'm looking through a telescope, and there's just this little bit of light over there. I thought, oh, no, Lord. Well, at least my other eye is still good. And I literally thought that. Uh, okay, well, can't win them all. All right, Lord, well, we'll take care of this. And he said, no, 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 that'll go away. I went, oh, shoot. Next day, boom, I'm 2015 in one eye. And then changed the other eye and get me to see again. I said, that was a, it was a transformation thing. Though. It wasn't just something that happened little by little. It was literally this wonderful transformation in my eyes. And that's what happens to us. That's what happens to us is we encounter the truth and the wonder of God and His grace in our lives and we give it one to another and we're just changed and we get this transformation. And that's what the church is meant to be. Pete, why don't you come up here? We're going to lead us in this final song in just a minute. So once we have chosen, we said, you know, I'm over this. I'm going to live a life that's true. I'm going to Live according to the truth as best I can, but I'm going to be transparent with my brothers and sisters and let them see the good and the bad. And that's how I'm going to live. And I'm going to give grace when I see people fail me. And if people haven't failed you, then you're not alive. Okay? Uh, I will fail you. Others around you will fail you. That's, that's the way life is. And when that happens, you need to give them grace because you're going to fail them. And when we're transparent with one another, we realize this. We interact with that truth. And grace flows through our lives. And then God says something that's just remarkable. He says, now, Lee, the last thing I want to tell you is this. You need to share love one with another. You need to truly love one another. Jesus put it this way in his final prayer. He said, Lord, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that transforming power, the ability to not just see truth, but to be changed by it so that we may be one as we are one. I'm in them and you're in me. And may they experience such perfect unity that the world knows that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. We love with this hope of the change. I remember so clearly some, wow, it's hard to believe, but it was uh, almost 50 years ago, about 45, and I was in this, little church in Würzburg, Germany. And uh, I'd given my life to Christ about two weeks before. And, and I was beginning to discover what, what it was about and what was going on there. Uh, I was studying his word, and I got baptized that morning in this pool in this place in Germany. It was actually it was a big tub, and they dropped me in the tub and dunked me. And, did, and I was like, oh, that was cool. And, got out and we went to church with my friend and, and as we came to this, she said, why don't you go to this church? I said, okay, so I go to this church. I get in there, sit down. There's a group like this. It's about this size, a little smaller, probably about 110, 120 people. And me and my friend were the only two white guys in the whole church. I was like, we're in the wrong place, dude. We're not supposed to be here. And he said, oh yeah, Lee, you're supposed to be here. I said, the Lord told me you're supposed to be here. I'm going, okay. 
all right. And so the pastor began to preach, and he was preaching out of Hebrews 11, and, you know, by faith. And he was preaching by faith, by faith, by faith. I was going to the Lord. And God began to thunder within me, just shaking me up. And he said, you know, now God wants to speak to some people here right now. I said, so we're just going to stop right now, and I'm going to walk in. And he walks right up to me and lays hands on me. Well, it was kind of obvious. I'm the only white guy in all place. I mean, but lays hands when he starts praying for me and the spirit of God fell upon me so powerfully everything changed and you have to understand something I was a person who at that point in time was very prejudiced and my feelings toward people that are African American who the Lord has always given me a best friend that's African American since then yeah, was you know these people are just not real people they're not white they should be white there's something wrong they're like monkeys go, really? Well, not exactly, but that was kind of the stuff. That's kind of this weird thing. And the Spirit of God fell upon me and I turned and there was this young lady sitting there and I looked at her and she looked at me and for the first time in my entire life there was a love that was flowing through me to that person that just, I was shocked. So I've never felt this before. I've never felt this before. I'm concerned about you. I have this deep emotion. What is happening, God? What is happening to me? And my heart of stone was changed into a heart of flesh. And from that day forth, God walked me down the road of truth and taught me the word of grace. And he said, Lee... Now that I've given you the ability to love others, you make sure you do. You make sure you do. And that's my cry to this church today. Is to recognize that our hope is built upon this simple truth. That God works together all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And in the midst of that, he cries out to us, don't just love the people that love you. Love all my people. You take care of them. Every one. And that's the church. People who share love. People who speak and live truth. People who give grace. And so that's my exhortation to you as I leave. I say, stand up. Be counted. Say, I want to be a person who lives truth. Do you? Do you? I want to be a person who's going to give grace. Do you? I want to be a person that wants to love others. Do you? Then stand up. Stand up. If you can. Gene, you stay seated. Oh, Father, we are people in desperate need desperate need and our need is to be able to be ones who live truth and give grace and choose to love so this day we ask that your spirit would flow upon each of us and change us as only you can don't allow us to live in darkness anymore but let us experience the wonder of walking in unity with you 
and with one another. Lord, I know who you are. I know how you changed my life and the lives of thousands of people around me. So we come to you today and say, Oh, Father, continue your work in us. We commit to you this day to be people of truth who give grace to love one another. Thank you, Lord, as you allow us and enable us even now. But we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Last song we're going to sing together called The God I Know.